Hey y'all, welcome to Carmichael Radio. My name is Travis Lund. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. I am here with Terry Stacker. Hey guys. Anthony Battle. Hey, hey, hey. Andrew Curzea. Good to be here, guys. Let's do it. And unfortunately, we have to dive into some unpleasantness here today. Uh, We will start with the recap of yesterday's game against UVA in Charlottesville. Uh, If you missed it for whatever reason, this was an 88, or pardon me, uh, 81 to 66 loss to the Hoos. Renaya Kelly had a team high. 20, uh, three boards, two assists, and a steal, um, eight of 13 from the floor, four or six from three, and pretty much came out throwing darts from the jump. And, um, outside of a couple late shots that I didn't think were much, uh, quite so much, um, bad decisions as just trying to do something to keep us afloat, um, was, Kind of the the engine and the one sort of bright spot here. Um, I don't want to sell anybody else too short. Uh, Liss had 13 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. A steal 4 blocks um, was pretty efficient. 50% from the floor, um, but uh, fouled out. Um, we will get back to the, the theme of foul trouble, uh, as was discussed a little bit on our previous podcasts. Um, DK, 10 points, three boards, five dimes, a steal, um, had a rough, rough, rough shooting day, man. Uh, two at 13 from the floor, uh, did not hit any of her four three-point attempts, um, and regressed a little bit from her previously shorthanded, uh, performance at the free throw line, six at 10 from the stripe for her, um, Lexi, nine points, two boards, Three assists and a steal. Um, three of seven, one of five behind the arc. Um, did actually get to the free throw line, which you know, let's um, let's celebrate that because we had not seen that in what four games, five games, or something like that. She hasn't taken a a trip to the line in a little bit, so it was good to see her get in the lane, get some contact, and get to the stripe. Um, Maria, four points. Um, did not get. A whole lot going on. Um, didn't get a lot of touches, honestly. Um, which, you know, we've been harping on that all season. And then the bench, um, Indy had eight points, three boards, uh, also fouled out. Um, foul trouble was a problem in this game. Um, Anya grabbed three boards. Um, T came in for just a little bit and, uh, two points, two rebounds. Um, Boy, this was this was rough right from the offing. Um, there was pretty evident fatigue. Um, the first quarter was was spectacular, honestly. Um, put up twenty five, looked poised to replicate um, the first game we played against Virginia, and then just they were so clearly exhausted from from pretty much then on out. It was it was bad for. For the rest of the contest, pretty much from there, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, just just not a real pleasant afternoon up in JPJ for Carolina. Um, Terry, let, let, let's go to you first. Is there Are there any silver linings at all, um, other than Renaya really kind of having a 
a breakout game. And even even the the announcers mentioned, you know, boy, she's really grown up these past, you know, five, six games here. But beyond that, um, did we see anything positive or if you if you would prefer to just kind of go into the the many unpleasant elements of this, um, you know, obviously feel free to feel free to stand on that soapbox as well if you feel so moved. But hit us with your thoughts on this. Yeah, other than Renaya, no, I I don't really see a silver lining in this game or anything really positive. Um, again, we've talked about this time and time again, and I've seen other people actually now start to talk about it on Twitter, where we get off to these fast starts and we build these double-digit leads, and then after the first quarter, we just kind of go in cruise control or we forget how to play basketball and we let them back in the game. And, yeah, once they went on that run in the second half, it was pretty much over from there. Um, I actually thought Coach should have called a timeout in the second half, which she did, but I think by the time she called the timeout, they had already tied the game up and it was too late. For me, I would have liked to have seen her call it a little bit later. Um, I know some coaches like for their team to figure it out, and maybe she thinks that we have a team that should be able to figure it out since they are a veteran-led team. However, sometimes when you're in an environment where the crowd is going, maybe the timeout isn't so much to um, – or maybe the timeout isn't because you think they can't figure it out, but maybe you should call the timeout to take the crowd out of it and also obviously use it to gather your team. So by the time she called the timeout, it was too late. The game, it had already flipped in their favor and we were never ne never able to um, take, I don't think we took the lead back after they were able to get the lead. I think we were able to get it. I don't know if we tied it up, but I know we were able to get it their lead down to three points um but yeah just it wasn't a game a good game overall um yes we did look tired but I don't like to use that excuse because when you look at teams in the past when you look at the year that Notre Dame won their national championship they won it with what maybe seven eight players so, yes, our, our starters are playing a lot of minutes, but that's not to say that you can't go and win games with the players that you have. Um, so, yeah, it just it just wasn't a good game. Um, and we we have a tough schedule coming up. So um, hopefully they use this week to really prepare um, because we're, we're going into two hostile environments. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see how we bounce back. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can. Um, and Andrew, I I know you were we're gonna hear from you next here. Um, I know you had pointed this out um, both on Twitter and as something that CB touched on in her post game presser. Um, it's pretty tough to win games when you have that many turnovers and that kind of foul trouble, and also. Like, th this is UVA shooting line on the day. Uh, 48 from the floor, 57.9 from three, and 78 and change, 78.6 from the stripe. Like, it's pretty tough to win a game when somebody shoots pretty close to 58% from three. And are and are not on, not on, oh, they got lucky on some, like, 
they were bombing away. And, you know, it's one thing for, you know, they, they didn't even have Cam Taylor in this game. The Who's did not. Um, and, you know, Sam Brunel obviously has been a vet in this conference for a long time. We know that she's capable of doing what she did on Sunday. Um, Kamora Johnson, I, I really think we did. We may need to at least start talking about her as. I don't think she's a, a candidate to win it, but needs to be in the discussion as a dark horse on the short list with Hidalgo and Juju as a possible freshman of the year. She has just been phenomenal for them. And it was I mean, really, it was getting lit up by Paris Clark and London Clarkson that that just killed us in this one, man. Like you can't. You can if you're gonna if you're gonna get torched by their their primary threats, um, and as we said, without one of them in in Taylor being out, you can't let some some lesser secondary players also light you up. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty rough, but again, there are some things you can't control if they're gonna shoot that that blistering hot um, all game like that. But Andrew, walk us through this from your perspective, man. What what we see here? Yeah, I joked on Twitter that uh, a team that shoots 28% from three, uh, that's shooting 75% in the first half, will surely come down, right? I mean, uh, I was right, but 75 to 57 isn't uh, quite what I had in mind. Uh, that was not that I, was not enough regression to the mean. <laughs> no, no. Uh, there's certainly the the probability on that was a lot a lot lower than I had expected. Um, but I mean, we can talk about the fast start and certainly the offense got off to a hot start and it was mostly because they were forcing a lot of turnovers themselves, but honestly, defensively from jump street, this was not going to be their night. Like they were to put it nicely, like I'll, I'll just use the word that CB used in her post game presser. It was very undisciplined, like from horn to horn. Uh, the ball screen coverages were awful. Uh, there were times where people thought they were switching. There were times where they thought they were going under, but they weren't. Um, and then when they went to zone and they had Brunel come up and set ball screens and pop out of the out of the pick and roll, it was it was it was led to an open three almost every time. Um, and there were. They didn't go to zone quite as much as I remembered watching it live. Watching it live, it felt like they played zone nearly the entire game. It was more like a 40-60 split after I watched it again. They did go to man. The problem was when they went man, uh, one, the ball screen coverages were bad. And then also, UVA did a pretty good job of, I would say, exploiting the way that the heels like to help in their gaps on defense. And what I mean by that is like, if Travis is in the corner and I'm guarding him and, you know, Terry's driving it, I got to step over to at least stunt before I can recover back to Travis in the corner. Well, what they were doing was essentially having the person who was in Travis's spot get on the move while that help was occurring. So coming a couple of steps up higher on the floor to get a running start to where the guards like Deja would come up, they'd help, and then they'd start to recover back to the corner. And then suddenly the person that was in the corner isn't there. Anymore. Um, so that's a good way to attack gap help defenses and kind of those pack line stuff that UNC likes to run. Uh, they did a really good job of that. And then, I mean, it can't be overstated. They shot the lights out. I mean, they, 
it wasn't like the Miami game where Miami, like they played great defense for like 20 seconds of the shot clock. And then there was like a heave from like late in the clock. There was one of those in this game. I forget who shot it, but for the most part, like they couldn't guard anyone. There was one possession, I think in the fourth quarter where it looked like everyone was playing man except for Anya Poole. And it led to an open three because she was underneath the basket and her man was out on the three point line. Like that stuff just can't happen. It was very weird for a group normally this disciplined. And we saw like uh, Lissa had all sorts of mistakes in her ball screen coverage. Alexi looked like she was in the wrong spot at times in the zone. And it's just like, you haven't seen that from them all year. You know, there, if there's going to be breakdowns like that, I think we have the, normal suspects who you think it might be it's not some of the more experienced players on this team um and then offensively aside from Renaya, not a lot of great um yeah they gave Alyssa some space to go one-on-one they sagged a little bit but not not nearly as drastic as other teams and then every time Maria caught it it was an instant double it, it was it was just not gonna happen and they did a really good job with their traps as well to make sure they were active with their hands and they forced a couple turnovers um so that part of the game was taken away but yeah it i i would say it's not the zone's fault per se i think it was just more they didn't execute the zone well at all um and they got torched in man too so um by far their worst defensive rating game of the year at a 108, which is far and away. I mean, I think Clemson is the only game that even comes close to that uh, as far as their overall defensive rating. Um, and then their largest points per possession total given up this year to any team, uh, even beating the UConn game. So uh, the good news is, if you're looking for good news, uh, a lot of that stuff is correctable and pretty quickly like ball screen coverages that's one practice and it should be fine they haven't played a ton of that three two zone they've played it in stretches but nowhere near for as long as they did uh yesterday but if you're looking for a silver lining like that that would be it that a lot of this is very easily fixable and correctable uh so Maybe flush this one and uh, get ready for state. Yeah, I I just don't. And Terry, I I I am inclined to agree with you as a as a general rule um, about not using fatigue as an excuse. Um, but man, they they just. It was so evident they were so gassed. Um, and I mean, this was another, you know, straight 40 for DK, which um, I will say the one thing, and this is just a Deja Kelly has had this superpower since she was a freshman, no matter what else is going on with anything else, she can get to the line. Um, there was one drive in particular, and I did, Terry, I, <laughs> I know you saw this one because I saw your tweet about it. Um, she drove and instead of just finishing the bucket, she hunted contact and it did not end well. Um, because she missed the shot and didn't get it. But she, 
she does have an ability when things are going poorly. I mean, she she did this on one leg last year in the Ohio State game, practically just threw herself at the rim and somehow drew contact, got at the stripe and knocked down some freebies for us. Like this is one thing she's always been just spectacular at is when she knows points are needed, she can get to the line and get them that way. Um, and she started doing that, um, which is, a, you know, it's when you need buckets, sometimes you're going to take the points any way you can get them. But that was that was a sign that absolutely nothing else was working. Um, and it really just wasn't at a certain point. Um, there was a lot of sloppy play. Um, boy, there were long stretches where they just it was almost, you know, Keystone Cops just not taking care of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I guess we just... Um, Anthony, I know you didn't catch much of this one um, due to uh, having a protracted fight with uh, a cable service company and uh, their mismanagement of what should not have been a problem for you. But if the, of the little bit that you that you did manage to see, if any, do you, do you have anything you want to you want to speak on here? Yeah, I just I just feel like in certain games, granted, if it's not going your way, you got to still figure it out. Like, what if this was an elite an elite eight game? Nothing is going your way. Fouls is going crazy. Like, where, where's the mental toughness? Um, just from what I see, I think I think we lack mental toughness. We got in some foul trouble, and it just threw us out of our game. Um, yeah, I, oof. flush it. <laughs> On to the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. There was. There was a certain point where um, where it was like a, enough things went wrong in a chain reaction that eventually, like, I mean, they, they just, they, the whole team looked shook and it didn't matter which five were on the floor. They, so yeah, there was some, there was some lack of um, mental fortitude or ability to kind of recover and, and dial back in there for sure. Um so yeah, let's uh let's just move on. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't get to move on to anything super pleasant here. Um next game also on the road. That'll be Thursday night, uh in Reynolds Coliseum facing the NC State Wolfpack. Uh tip at 8 p.m. That will be on the ACC network. Um and the pack, uh, you know, I I don't think we've ever seen anything quite as spectacularly bad as uh, just a, a preseason setup of not having them ranked at all, um, given what has transpired since. Um, and I feel like the AP voters, you know, we, we've seen enough of that team under Westmore's leadership uh, at this point that they should have known better than that. But... Um, Heels dropped to number 24 in the rankings that came out today. Wolfpack up to number five. Um, they are 18 and two so far on the season, six and two in conference. Uh, somehow that ranks them fifth in the conference standings because of some weirdness and some things that have shaken out with that. Um, 
They are unbeaten so far in Reynolds this season. Uh, now, this would not be the first time a North Carolina team that was ranked significantly lower than them walked into Reynolds when the Pack were still unbeaten on the year and handed them their first loss. Uh, we have seen that uh, and seen that recently um, within the last four or five years here. So, um, you know, that's certainly certainly on the table here. Um as far as players to watch, they're they are about as well balanced a team as you could uh, you could imagine. Um, led by Isaiah James, uh, who is putting up fifteen point five points a game, four point five boards, uh, two point seven assists. Um, Sanaya Rivers, obviously, who uh, transferred. They've got a lot of players who who are transfers but are not new to the program. This is at least their second year in Raleigh. Um, Sanaya Rivers is 12.8, 6.2 boards, 4.7 assists, 2.5 steals. Um, she's probably their best all-around player, at least at the backcourt. Um, Mimi Collins is... I She's got a game that is deceptive in some respects. Um, 12 points, 6.7 boards. Um, she's only taking 2.43s a game, but she's hitting close to 44% of them. So she doesn't pull a lot back there, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to be wary when she does because when she's shooting them back there, she she's hitting deep. Um, Madison Hayes is their sniper. Uh, close to 12, yeah, 11.9 points, 6.7 boards. Um, she's shooting 3.63s a game and hitting 45.8%. Um, she is just a demon back there behind the arc. So we got at least two people who we're definitely going to have to respect and guard out to the three-point line. Uh, at least with their starters on the floor. Um, River Baldwin, I'm not entirely sure what to make of right now. Um, stats for the year say 10.4 points, 7.2 boards. Um, but since returning from an injury, she is logging limited minutes and um, has scored six points in each of her last three games since then. Um, she is an extremely shorthanded free throw shooter. Um so that's something we want to be aware of for sure. Um, and then their big bench threat is uh, Zoe Brooks, um, averaging 9.7 points, horrible on boards, and 3.7 assists. Um, so they're pretty balanced. Um, all five starters are averaging double figures, and Brooks off the bench is close to that. Um, and as far as the uh, advanced metrics go, um, I took a look through everything. They're are pretty much no categories that they are not uh, either marginally or significantly higher rated than Carolina. Now, again, uh, the numbers are the numbers, and they're on paper, and why we play the games. Um, but the heels are better at taking care of the ball and creating turnovers. Other than that, um, the Wolfpack are better in every category, uh, at least according to the metrics on her hoop stats. Um and that's just across the board here. Um, I know we've all had the chance to watch plenty of state so far this season um, since, you know, they're in conference play right down the road. So they're on TV a lot, even if not nationally televised um, in our particular area here. So, uh, Anthony, let's start with you, man. What, what are you thinking going into Thursday night here? We're walking into about the most hostile barn uh, that we're going to see, at least in the regular season. Um, what do we need to do in order to attack this team? Uh, we're going to have to control the boards and um, 
stop them from penetrating. Um, just, just, uh, they, oh, they got some very tough guards. So we're gonna, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that we, we love to help off a lot. I don't think we're gonna be able to help off too particularly much. Um, we just gonna have to hold our own, man. Uh, State is great. Like they, they play phenomenal basketball. And that, what is it? That four, what is a four guard, one post rotation? They like to play. But anyway, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, hold, hold our own, and hopefully we could um, make some more threes. We, we're definitely gonna have to um, shoot. We're gonna have to light it up in Carroll. We're gonna have to light it up at State. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to hope for some some shooting from somewhere um, to spread them out. This was because the the Virginia game was really we've been talking about it um, kind of since the season began now. But this the Virginia game was really the first time where it was like a visceral um, oh if Liss has the ball at the top of the key like there's just the offense is shut down. Um, because they, they are not respecting that threat from outside because she has not shown that. Um, and so that just, I mean, that this was, we talked about it and academically, I knew it was there and you could see it, but this was the first one where it was like a visceral, oh man, this really just comes through the screen, how much that's really affecting things um so yeah man we're for sure gonna need some shooting um as you said and i'm not entirely sure where that's gonna come from um if lexi and dk can't um can't get going early because i mean if if this is renaya's level for the rest of the year that's obviously huge but um we're gonna need everybody you know, all hands on deck and everybody's a game on this one. Um, Terry, let's hit you next. What do what are you thinking as far as um, X factors that we need to consider here, and and maybe some things for us to for us to hang our hopes on? Yeah, we have to be really good defensively. I mean, their guards are really good. I hate to admit that, but their guards are really good. James, she's a bucket. Rivers, a bucket. Zoe Brooks coming off the bench, a bucket. Even um, Lacey Still, I watched, I forget what game it was, but she came off the bench and hit some huge threes for them, a bucket. So we, we're just going to have to guard better than what we did at Virginia because um, they're a really good team. I wouldn't even be surprised if they made it to the Final Four. And again, as a Tar Heel, I hate to say that, but... They're really good. Um, X Factor, I think it Maria, she only played 12 minutes against Virginia, only had two shots. That absolutely cannot happen against State. I don't know if it was a matchup thing as to why she only played 12 minutes um, yesterday, but we can't have that against State. So... I think Maria will be the X factor. Renaya, you know, if she can give us what she gave us yesterday, that would be huge. But also, you know, DK, you did 10 points. It's okay. But for DK, we need her scoring more than 10. Um, so, yeah, our guards just have to come come ready to play. We can't use that uh, exhaust. We're exhausted. We We can't use that excuse. This is a big rivalry game. 
Um, so hopefully they'll be up and they'll be ready to play for it. So. Yeah. I, and that's a great point about Maria because they've only, since she's coming back from, from that injury, um, Rivers only been logging about 10 minutes a game or so and change. And they don't really, you know, she's not all the way back for sure. Um, and they don't have, I mean, they'll have to send a double. They, they don't have anybody else on that roster who's even remotely capable of dealing with Maria or, or Anya for that matter, um, down there one-on-one. So that, I think you're right that that's a big thing. If we can get them going early, get some touches in the post early, that's going to unlock a lot. Um, cause they're just, they, they're not going to have a choice, but to, but to send help because I river Baldwin does not look like herself yet. Um, and obviously just, you know, on a human level, we, we hope that she gets back and is fully healthy at some point. Um, you know, these are still kids and their health is bigger than the game, but I mean, she's, she's not she's not there right now and as long as she's not we might as well try and use that to our advantage and get maria going um early so yeah i think that's i think you're absolutely right on that for sure um andrew we have not heard from you yet what's yeah what's your what's your what's your take on the on the pack and what we need to be doing to execute here and and try and get this thing turned around a little bit yeah, uh, a lot of shooting outside, really balanced scoring. They don't really have a, a weak link on the offensive end. Um, so I would say, you know, Miami tried being really physical with their guards and playing a lot of their 2-3 zone and just kind of hounding, harassing them, making them finish over length at the rim. That's a That's probably the best way to kind of disrupt them is to just try and take away space out on the perimeter the issue and we've talked about it is with the guard rotation being so thin as it is like if you get into any sort of foul trouble how are you going to play through that and it just depends on how how that game is officiated for me like if they're calling it super tight then you're kind of limited on your options if you're not able to be physical with their guards um so that's you know that that'd be that'd be my plan of attack assuming that you're not going to get into foul trouble um on the offensive end i i would say deja is my x factor for this one uh just because i think they can put river baldwin in some ball screens and really try and take advantage of her on that end and really try and get her moving they play they they switch a lot with everyone else on the floor they'll switch one through four but Baldwin will almost always be in a deep drop. So um, there's space for the mid-range if Deja wants it. And just trying to get Baldwin moving, and then hopefully that'll open up some post position for Maria down there as well. So they haven't doubled a lot on the post. They'll dig with their guards from time to time. But um, I don't know if they've seen a post like Maria yet either, um, if I'm being honest. So we'll see what they do with that. Uh, maybe they looked at the last game and said, hey, doubling might be the way to go with Maria. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there's not there's not a lot of weaknesses with this team. I, I would say you need to be able to make them finish at the rim over length without fouling and then secure the defensive glass. I think those are the keys to winning this one. And then 
you know, just from a scoring standpoint alone, like you're going to have to find some outside shooting somewhere, uh, whether that's Renaya or Lexi or Deja. Uh, they'll give you the high post jumper too. You know, if you trust Alyssa, if she's feeling that that night, that's probably going to be there. Um, but yeah, man or zone, flip a coin. Uh, I, I think they might play a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's, there's, there is a path to victory. There, there, there really is, but it's going to take quite a bit. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, the one thing that sort of works in our favor here, although obviously this goes for, goes for the opposition as well is that, that this is one of those games where it doesn't necessarily matter uh how tired you might be or you know what the what the surrounding circumstances are otherwise um everybody gets up for this one no matter what the other circumstances may be so hopefully uh hopefully we can get up and um really get off to a hot start here and and take care of business over in Raleigh. Uh, feels like they they really need a bounce back and and some some good momentum here because we gotta we gotta do this and then we got Vatek before they finally get an open date and a chance to to rest some of those tired legs. So hopefully we can head on down to Reynolds and take care of business down there. Um, and we'll just have to see how that shakes out. Um, Again, listener, Thursday, 8 p.m., uh, TV is on the ACC Network if you are not making the pilgrimage to Raleigh for that one. Um, other results around the league, good Lord, um, this this week got off the rails. I mean, just absolutely nuts. Um, Saturday, uh, the games uh, were more or less uh, chalky, uh, excepting two... V- well, one almost, and then the the biggie that we'll talk about a little bit more here. Um, number four, K-State, was in Manhattan and barely survived uh, BYU 67-65, which um, for a team that's been playing as hot as the Wildcats are to to uh, to really almost get smoked, or not smoked, but almost get beat by a, a Cougars team that has not been all that impressive this year was, was interesting. Uh, but... Biggie, oh boy. Uh, number five, Notre Dame going up to stores and smacking UConn upside the head, 82-67. Uh, Hannah Hidalgo is that girl. She's her. Full stop. Um, good Lord. This game was awesome start to finish from the Irish. Um, and just, I mean, just a really impressive complete game performance from them. Um, also, shout outs to... Uh, to Maddie Westbeld, um, not the first player to to have the phenomenon of uh, head and or facial injury and wearing a protective mask and becoming masked version of said player and going electric on it. But um, man, this was super fun to watch. And Notre Dame just really took UConn apart. Um, who again, I mean, they, they what lost Caroline Duchard, what was that, a week ago? So just another another in their litany of injuries and, and problems up there in stores. But man, this was this was an incredible game. Terry, I, I know you caught this one for sure. What did, what did you see out of this one that was uh that was of interest to you? Yeah, Hannah. Wow, she's 
she's a bucket for us to be able to have held her to like only 17 points. I would say that was a pretty good defensive job on her, but yeah, you know, if they can start putting their pieces together, even with, you know, the injuries that they've kind of had throughout the year, I think Notre Dame can be a very dangerous team. Um, but when we talk about freshman of the year, Convos and even national players of the year, she definitely has to be in that conversation. And I think really for freshman of the year, it's only between her and Juju. Um, I don't think any other player really is going to get any type of consideration for that award. But yeah, I definitely tweeted during the game that her jersey will be in the rafters at Notre Dame when she's finished with her career, barring that, you know, she doesn't have any injuries or anything like that. Um, you, you guys know my favorite player player is Skylar Diggins-Smith, and she's putting up better numbers than Skylar did as a freshman. So yeah, she's a she's a great player. It was a it was a great game. It was a great game. So um yeah, I think that's all I have for that one. Um I I, I did think that UConn would win it with, you know, all the greats that they had back. Um but yeah, Notre Dame came ready to play. Uh yeah, and what it I mean, it really speaks to the the evaluation and recruiting that Neil Ivey and her staff are doing that you lost arguably the best point guard in the country, you know, basically before the season started and replaced her almost immediately with someone who might also arguably be the best or certainly in the conversation, one of the best point guards in the country as a true freshman. Like it's ridiculous that, they lost Olivia Miles for the season and barely skipped a beat, which is just a testament to how incredible Hidalgo has been for them. Um, so just, yeah, it was an incredible game. Um, Andrew or Anthony, did y'all, did y'all catch this one? No, I didn't catch it, but I do have something to say. Um, I'm just curious to know what, what is that team going to look like with an Olivia Miles added in the mix next year? Um, I think it's safe to say that she's probably done for this year. I don't think Olivia would come back at this point. 70% of the games are probably officially over. Uh, and that's just speculation. I, I just No, they I confirmed that because she was um, – Alexa Phillip, who was up there covering that one, and I guess Miles was out there getting up some shots pregame. And that okay. clip made its way around the internet. And so somebody asked Neil about it in their post-game presser and said, Hey, you know, this clip was going around of Olivia getting up shots. Is she, and they, they, they said officially she's done for the year. So you're right about okay. that. Yeah. So, yeah. So next year, um, I, that's, that's what my, my biggest concern is, man, that tandem together, that's going to be, <laughs> they're going to be unstoppable next year. Uh, yeah. That's a terrifying prospect for sure. Andrew, did you did you catch this or 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 at least go back and and scrub through anything you wanted to to highlight off that one? Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, Anna obviously being really special and really being able to get to her spots really whenever she wants and being a pest on the defensive end of the floor, just things that we've come to expect from her uh, at this point. Uh, they took advantage of what I would consider is a lot of uh, uh, 
defensive cheating and trying to be in help early uh, that Paige Beckers likes to do. Hannah likes to do it as well. So that was a fun chess battle. Uh, kind of similar to the heels game, but not quite in the same way. They got torn apart uh, with West Belt on the pick and pop. Anytime they went into a ball screen with her and West Belt got some great looks. She took them off the dribble. She hit shots around outside. I think she was like, she had three or four threes. Um, so really good game for Maddie Westfeld and kind of her impact on both ends of the floor for them is can't be understated. So um, yeah, glad we didn't have to deal with her when we went up to South Bend, but uh, yeah, it was a really good game. And uh, to beat UConn on the road with DT back in the building, it's impressive stuff. Uh, yeah, for sure. And just, you know, it's, we were, uh, I, I'm glad that we, uh, I'm glad that we don't have to play this, uh, this version of Notre Dame that seems to have calibrated itself a little bit and every, I mean, miles aside, gotten everybody back more or less healthy here. Um, around the rest of the league here, um, a couple of, a couple of surprising results, um, but nothing, uh, nothing too shocking. Um, Duke, uh, turned around after that impressive, impressive Thursday night performance and, uh, lost to Miami 64, 58. Um, you know, Louisville took care of Pitt. That was pretty chalk. Uh, FSU had a nice bounce back road win at tech, Georgia tech. Sorry. Um, too many techs in this conference. Um, NC state, um, whooped BC up in Chestnut Hill. Clemson took care of wake. Um, the one thing, because Hughes had been on such a meteoric kind of ascendance here over the last two weeks or thereabouts, um, Virginia Tech went up to the Carrier Dome, um, and sorry, I it's the Carrier Dome. I'm sorry, I know it's the JMA Dome now or whatever, but it's it's the damn Carrier Dome. Um, I refuse to call it whatever corporate sponsor slaps their name on it. Um, and it just a great win over the Orange. Um, you know, pretty convincing too. I mean, did 85-62 Tech looked looked very, very dialed in and complete. And Cuse, um, I did not think played particularly poorly. It's just that Virginia Tech really, really brought their A plus game to this one. Um I didn't catch a ton of this, but I caught enough of it to to wonder if maybe we actually have not been talking about the Hokies enough because they've looked a little uneven this year, and especially um, there's an element missing since they lost Taylor Sewell from last season's team that, that we haven't maybe giving them enough flowers. Um, but man, Sunday, they looked just about as lethal as any team in the conference for sure. Um, did, did any y'all catch any of this one? Cause I was, I, I was, I, I don't shocked might be too strong, but I was surprised with how complete and dominant the Hokies looked for the stretches. Is this one that I saw? I did. Um, yeah. To put up a performance like that on the road, they played some zone against Syracuse uh, as well as some man-to-man. -man. 
they forced Asia Fair into a lot of those step back threes and she kind of settled for them. But also at the same time, like she hits a lot of those twos. So I don't know how much that's settling when you have a guard as talented and has the outside range as the Asia Fair. But uh, yeah, and Georgia Amor is brilliant once again. Just we, I, we probably haven't talked about Georgia Amor enough. Like she is, I think, you know, excluding maybe Caitlin Clark, I think she's the best at using a ball screen and just picking defenses apart in the country. She had one bucket in the third quarter where she came off one and like did the, like, like she was, what, what do they call that in the, like roller skating, like hand on the ground, like completely sideways and um, went up and finished with the left hand. It was absolutely absurd. Uh, yeah. And then like the shooting that they've, added with Matilda Eck has been really great as well and she plays great defense on that end and you have Kayla King who's an outside shooter who will lock you up too I mean they are I know they've had their struggles at times this year but this was as complete of a game uh I think that they've played all year and take nothing away from Cuse and I know we've cursed them because we talked great stuff about them last week but um you know, maybe I think Fair was six of fifteen in this one. Maybe you could have gotten her some more shots earlier in the game. Uh, Georgia Willie had an okay night, um, but yeah, this one belonged to Tech. And on a night where Liz Kitley was not the normal Liz Kitley that we're used to seeing, I think she was only three of thirteen from the floor and only had six points. So to do that to Cuse when your one of your star players is having an off night is that's. Another problem coming up for the heels. We'll get to them soon enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just rounding up real quick the uh, the rest of the non-ACC top twenty-five here. Um, the uh, the Mountain Time Zone eastward uh, was pretty tame. Uh, pretty pretty to chalk as far as results. Um, I will say Ohio State barely uh, got out of West Lafayette and Mackey Arena alive against um, a not very, not very good Purdue team, uh, 71-68. So that I was kind of keeping an eye on that one. That that got very, very interesting for them. Um, The Pac-12 went into some sort of weird alternate Denent like wormhole. I don't know. They. So, so something happened. Um, up was down. Dogs and cats were living together. Things got weird out west. Uh, Stanford, and Colorado did their jobs. Everything else went crazy. Um, Oregon State. Shout out Corvallis, man. What a week the Beavs had. Um, beat Colorado earlier in the week, and then I watched pretty much every second of this one. And good God, just vaporized Utah. Just absolutely destroyed them. Um, 91 to 66, they shot the bejesus out of the ball. And Alyssa Peely, you know, played very well, but got no help from any of her Utes teammates. And the Beavers just, they are on one right now on an epic level. And this was this was really really impressive to see. Um, USC uh, at home 
It, the, in the in the, the cozy confines of Troy, lost to an unranked and middling Washington team. Um, the ending of that one got absolutely bonkers. Um, but man, Trojans went down, uh, and shortly after that, uh, number two UCLA uh, lost to an unranked Wazoo. Uh, this was also at home. Um, and just do. Frankly, the final score was close. This was not a close game. Wazoo, Wazoo had them for most of this. Um, now I grant you, the Bruins were without Lauren Betts, so um, you know that a little bit of grace given there. But man, that was um, yeah. Uh, the Pac-12, which had been so uh, kind of crisp and dominant and um sporting a lot of teams that looked you know as close to invincible as anybody not residing in columbia south carolina um a lot of their giants got slayed this week uh in pretty pretty interesting and spectacular fashion um and then uh not important game of the week um old miss 85 70 c the old miss 85 tennessee 75 articulation um this was in the sip um yikes things are things are bad on rocky top um terry i you did i i want to hit everybody else's thoughts on on other action sunday uh in a second but i know we talked about this before the season and you were talking about you know do we see a coaching change for the Lady Vols, if they don't make the Sweet 16, I think that I think we need to be asking the question: Are they going to make the tournament? Yeah, I mean, unless they have a really good push in the second half of the SEC season and then the the SEC tournament, I don't think so. And that sucks because I, I really do like Rikia um, Jackson. I wish she would have ended up in, you know, that Carolina blue when playing with, you know, Deja and List this year. But, um, hey, it, yeah, I, I think this, this is probably her last year. If, if it's not her last year coaching, then I would be shocked. I, yeah, things are, I, I follow enough Lady Vol fans, um, on Twitter, X whatever you want to call it these days that man things are things are dark on rocky top that fan base is not in a good place mentally or emotionally spiritually uh, any other ali right now there is it's bad up there um and understandably so given how this season is going for them but um Anthony, let's start with you. Of, of anything that went down on Sunday, non-Carolina or ACC edition, what what caught your eye, man? Um, speak on anything we already sort of touched on here, or if there was another game that you that you wanted to wanted to talk about or or give some attention to. No, it was really that Tennessee game. Um, yeah, with so much rich tradition, I'm just so curious to why they can't get it right down there. Um, yeah, that I I don't know. That's baffling. That's that's very baffling, uh, especially when you think about Tennessee and what they've done for women's basketball. You, you know, at one point they was at the forefront, and so for them to not necessarily get it right after what what is this? Is this the second or third coach? Second, right? 
Is it a second? Yeah, it's yeah. the second. It's the second head coach after Pat. Um, I'm not sure. I, I I don't I don't know what's all in going into the uh their recruiting process or their process of picking a head coach. I don't know if they're they're trying so hard just to keep it in house with you know household names or whatnot. But uh, it's not working. Yeah, I think I think it's probably Kelly's last season. Um. Yeah, I, I just don't think she's doing it. You know, even when we look at the recruiter, I, I think we talked about this earlier, um, earlier this basketball season about how they're not even recruiting well. Like, you know, at one point, it was Tennessee or UConn. Like, that's where all the top 10 athletes went. And so for Tennessee not to even be getting any top recruits, I don't think they got not one top recruit last year. It's kind of disheartening. Like, what's going on? So, um, but yeah, that that was it. You know, I was really, I was really expecting them to come out on top, um, but hey, they didn't. Yeah, that was. I mean, you know, obviously both teams not ranked, so sort of maybe, maybe was not on the national radar quite as much. But yeah, that's and the recruiting. I mean, some of that, you know, you can certainly look at the fact, you know, obviously Dawn and the Gamecocks have a lot to say about that. Um, Corey close at UCLA is doing a bang up job out there. Um, and you know, CB is obviously, you know, stacking up some, some, we, we have not seen recruiting like she's put together these past couple seasons in Chapel Hill in, Ooh, it's been a minute. (laughs) Um, and it's when you're not that dominant force anymore, Cause even, you know, I mean, you could start this back to about 2017 ish. It seems like UConn, cause what I did 2016 was their last title, I think, but they, even they haven't been as dominant as, as they, they once were. And there's, you know, people keep saying there's, there's more parody in the game than there's ever been. And I think that's right. And I think it's also you know, I think that's Tennessee and UConn aren't going to get every recruit anymore um, because there's a lot of good programs and a lot of good places to go play, uh, Chapel Hill included for that matter. So it's, yeah, man, things are things are definitely shifting away from stores and, and Rocky Top as the two kind of poles around which the the world revolves here and, and have been for a minute. And I, I think we'd be fools not to say that Currently, it's, you know, the center of the universe, women's basketball-wise, is Columbia, South Carolina um, right now. But, um, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens with that coaching change, um, which, yeah, Terry, I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I don't see any way they keep her after this year, especially if they don't turn this around and at least at least show some sort of upswing to to close out the season here. Um Andrew, what what of the what of the happening Sunday uh outside of the uh the unfortunateness in Charlottesville that obviously we we've already discussed and some of the ACC stuff uh would, what struck you that you that you would like to to spend a little time talking about here? Um yeah, I watched a little bit. I watched about half of the Utah and Oregon State game. They, like you said, they shot unbelievably well. I mean, just torched them the entire time. Uh, 
82% true shooting as a team, which is ridiculous. I can't remember the last time I've seen a number that high. Uh, and then nine block shots as well. So they were, yeah, team shoots 82% true shooting. I, I don't care. You're not winning that game. Uh, I don't really care who you are. Um, I watched Ole Miss in Tennessee. That was another really good one. Um, it, it was nice to see. Um, we didn't get to it last last podcast, but it was nice to see after Coach Yo's five-minute basically rant uh, to Oxford to come out and watch them play and kind of get with it. Uh, that had a nice little turnout, and there were a lot of uh, We Heart Coach Yo shirts and uh, body paint, uh, and they got a win against Tennessee uh, at home, and some well-deserved crowd support there. So that was a lot of fun. Purdue and Ohio State was a lot of fun. They Ohio State lost Abby Ellis in transition a few times, and she had a really good shooting night. Um, and then J.C. Sheldon did what she did. Um, that was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, those were probably the the main games that I watched. Um, go going along with the coaching change too, and maybe maybe this is too early to tell. Because I don't really know what the expectations are, but let's let's go in conference a little bit. I kind of want to hear everyone's thoughts. And Travis, I know you're not super high on this particular coach. Uh, Amanda Butler. How? What does Clemson need to do to, I guess, make an impact to where we feel like they're making progress in the ACC? If anything, I, mm, um, I mean, here's my thing: is that if progress were going to be made, it probably would have happened by now. And I understand that part of this is certainly a product of a more immediacy-based expectation that has sort of permeated um, sports generally, um, collegiate athletics in particular, and that people don't, and, and often unfairly, um, do not get time to fully build and get their vision for a program in place um, because if it doesn't come together right from jump, they're, you know, they're summarily dismissed before they've had the opportunity to, to fully settle in and, and kind of get things established. Because when you're a new coach, it doesn't matter, um, how much success you previously had or, or how good your, how good your on-court and in-game acumen is. Or even, I mean, to a certain extent now, if you're stacking up recruiting classes, even if it's going to take a little while for that to translate to to the on-court result, you can sort of point to that and say, well, listen, you know, we're this is where we're ranking nationally in recruiting, and that to a certain extent can mitigate things. But there's so much that goes into being the new person in a building and trying to get everything aligned 
as far as buy-in from not just your athletic department, but the resources of the school. And a lot of that is trying to get boosters and fans excited. And, you know, this is the, this is the, it's, it is primarily and should primarily be about the fact that certainly, um, you know, anybody listening to this podcast and, and us here making it, um, are, are keenly aware and passionate about the deficit in attention paid and, um, love and respect shown to women's athletics, um, and women's basketball. And that is a, an uphill battle that primarily is about recognizing what these young women do. Um, but it's also this broader battle that's being fought. Um, you know, that, that, that speech that coach yo gave that you were touching on earlier was not just about, not just about getting butts in the seats, but it's you have to show that that those stands are getting filled up to the people that determine whether or not you're going to continue to have that job, right? And it's about getting buy-in. And there's a or a Burroughs thing there, a chicken and the egg thing. Well, you need resources to do that, and to get resources, you have to sell tickets or at least be able to demonstrate to the people writing the big checks who you know. Um, go to games and sit in suites and not in the regular stands that their money is being well spent and that it's worthwhile. And there's so much that goes into this stuff. And so I, I, I just, I want to be careful about saying, um, and I, I apologize. This got really far out there from just talking about what's going on in death Valley, South Carolina with Amanda Butler. But what I was coming to is that she's, she has had, a length of time that most coaches don't get to get her ducks in a row from a recruiting standpoint, from an on-court performance standpoint to, to get the boosters and the fan base um, excited and all rowing in the same direction and all of that stuff. And, you know, to make her case and get what she needs from the athletic department. I don't know the inner workings of Clemson athletics enough to know whether or not she's been given everything she was asking for, or well, I mean, no coaches except for a few um, in that respect, but given enough of it to, to have what she needs, but the results just haven't been there. Um, and honestly, her best season was her first season there. And frankly, those were players that she didn't recruit that produced those results. You know, um, Amanda Butler teams since Grace Hunter is not wearing a Clemson uniform anymore. Look a little bit different and not real good. Um, not bad per se. They haven't been catastrophic, but I just, what have we seen that suggests at any point that this is going to change significantly? And you get into a question of, well, how much do they particularly, you know, this goes back to the, the Coach Shield rant and the larger conversation here. If Clemson doesn't care enough about women's basketball, then she may stay because they don't. The results aren't bad enough to fire her. And it doesn't matter to them, maybe, um, down there, which some schools are like that about certain sports. You know, I Dave Doran's been coaching NC State football for 11 billion years at this point going eight and four and making middling bowl games every year and they keep him around and i'm sure there are nc state fans that would like them to be doing better um but 
they've accepted what they are as a football school. And so maybe he stays there. And I don't know, maybe that's maybe Clemson feels that way about women's basketball and Amanda Butler can keep winning, you know, just enough games to, to not embarrass the program and they, they keep her on. But I, I just, I, I feel like it's enough that it's time to make a change. And we just saw another school do, you know, a long time, long tenured coach and a, a scion of the program, you know, wake, let Jen Hoover go after a number of years of kind of similar ish results. So I, my thought is she hasn't done anything to distinguish herself or make me think that anything about that program is going to change significantly. She's had, she's had enough time to do it. Um, Terry, I, I'll I'll throw to you after that lengthy rant, and I apologize for getting a little discursive there. But did, how do you feel about this one? Um, since we're since we're gonna we're gonna go down the the Amanda Butler rabbit hole here right quick. Um. Yeah, I think you pretty much said everything. Um. To me, honest, you just have to win. Like I think you just have to win in order for the people to have buy-in, even when you look at our program and I will speak for myself, I wasn't really going to the games um, before, you know, CB took over. And even when she took over, I still wasn't going to the games because I mean, let's face it, like her first year wasn't very good. Um, and it's slowly getting to the point where they're winning um, a lot more consistently um, and you see the crowds are growing and, and growing. Um, so I think you just have to win before you're able to really get the community to really buy into what you're doing. Um, so yeah, other than that, I don't really have a comment on it, but yeah, I mean, just win. Uh, yeah. And Anthony, do you have any, any, any thoughts on this? Anything, anything you want to add? Yeah, I just think that um, I just think I don't think it's a focal point for the school. Like you can really tell a women's basketball school or who the um, who the who the school is behind when it comes to you know certain sporting, cert, certain sports. And I just don't think Clemson is. I, I don't want to say it's initially their AD, but I just don't think they're that invested in their women's basketball program. Um, I think they're okay if they get five hundred. Um, if they get a 500 uh, percentage record, you know, they win half their games a year. Uh, because at this point, it's like, okay, well, if you was truly that invested, you would be gone. Like, I'm not sure has CB been in a hot seat or, you know, if she ever will be in a hot seat. But I'm sure, like, now that we're getting some type of attention, it would, you know, if, if let's, God forbid, if we go 0-20 next year or, or 8-20, you know, that that's going to raise some eyebrows around the country and especially at the UNC. So, yeah, uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be that school that that is focused on their women's basketball program. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, and they because they lost their AD to FSU. Was that two years ago now? So they've got a new relatively new person in that chair. And they're I, I think right now is trying to sort out um what they want to do with their football program. And I could get into college football is the other thing that I follow obsessively um, besides women's hoops and that I could go into a whole rant about what the, what they're dealing with there as far as 
Dabo and that football program. But yeah, I think their their AD um, may have may have bigger issues on their mind right now. Or I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't be bigger issues. Um, you know, I I would rather people at every school around the country were as invested in women's basketball. Um, but that's, you know, at a school like Clemson, um, that's unfortunately just not how that rolls. Um, and especially with a relatively new AD, I think they're just trying to figure some stuff out. Um, and we'll, you know, I would like to think that Carolina would give, you know, this is a big term that they talk about with, with coaching, you know, especially after somebody's been in a job for a few years, have you shown proof of concept, right? And that's that's what Amanda Butler has not done. But I think CB very much has, you know, that's been the the real magic that she's brought here. Um, it's why Carmichael feels different than it did four years ago. Um, and this... I mean, you know, it's when they when they came out to that first sold out crowd that they'd had in years against state last season, they were talking to Deja about that on the, the Carolina Insider pod maybe a week later or so. And she said, you know, all I could think was my art because that that's you know, that's Coach Banks first class. That's her first real recruiting class, her first chance to put a stamp on this program. And Deja just said how proud they all felt because they were all thinking we built this we did this and so i think you know anthony you were kind of laying out a, a worst case scenario there but i think even if that happened they she would get some grace because she has earned that she has done things that this program frankly hadn't seen in oh god i don't know when was i mean when was the last time they had been passed around a 32 before coach bang showed up it had it had been it had been quite a bit of time so i just yeah i i think that even even an absolute catastrophic season um would not be would not be cause for concern because of course the other you know and this is the question that every ad needs to ask themselves and that no one seems to ever do at least not fully uh unless they've had something back channeled and ready to go because the fans, you know, one bad season or one bad game, you know, fans, we're, we are we are emotional and we are idiots a lot of times. And it's always, well, hey, we got to fire the coach. Well, who are you to replace with whom? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that state game, uh, that sellout one, because I, I was there for that one. And that was also because we, we've I've talked about before how I'm like one of those psychopaths who will like get their right as doors open and stay way longer than anyone wants me to. Uh, so I, I stayed late after that game last year and uh, CB and Alyssa came out and I think they were just talking and uh, CB, I think she was talking. I, th I want to say it was members of Alyssa fa of Alyssa's family. And she, like I overheard her like, say to them like can you imagine if they lost in front of all these people and it just like it, it speaks to how important that game was for one it's the rivalry and that's like a thing but just it being a sellout and what they've built up to that point it does mean something 
Um, as far as Amanda Butler goes, I, I do agree that she has had plenty of time to build it out. I do wonder, though, and maybe this goes back to just not having the resources or the uh, uh, the focus or lack thereof put on the women's basketball program there. But is it is it unreasonable to kind of have this middling expectation because it's Clemson and you're just because of it, it's harder to compete I think especially now with the transfer portal with those bigger schools like UNC and Duke and Notre Dame um, and even Virginia Tech now because one you haven't had that same pedigree and Two, with the portal, I mean, we saw what happened to Boston College. I mean, they've had some great players that have not, that are now at those bigger schools. And it's just harder to compete in that landscape because you're Clemson. Like, uh, I don't I don't know. I've never recruited a day in my life, so take that with a grain of salt. But is there something there, I guess, would be my question. Well, I think there is for sure. And I thought, you know, this is, and I think this is because Terry and Anthony, y'all both said, well, you know, I, you're going to have to put some wins up to, to get buy-in. And I think that's what made Coach Yo's post-game pressure remarks so trenchant and so absolutely spot on. I mean, I, there's probably no coach in the country more justified in saying what she said And how she said it and calling out her own university and her own fans on that. Because that run they went on in the tournament last year, I mean, that look, they did that to Stanford. Who now, you know, as of what, last week has the all-time winningest coach in collegiate basketball full stop and had won a national title um, in what, you know, three years ago. And, and is certainly in the mix for teams that could do that again this season and has been most years under Tara's stewardship out there in Palo Alto. And Ole Miss put them in a blender for four quarters defensively. Just at, I mean, that was a demolishment what they did to one of the consistently best teams in the country and made an incredible run and was clearly, you know, it clearly wasn't a fluke. You know, this wasn't um, uh, UMBC or um, I, what was that random school that, that made the run last St. season Peter. on the men's side? St. Peter's. Thank you. Yeah. Like this was not that this was a, a coach who came in and built and built got a foundation in place and decided on a style of play and a philosophy and got players in there that could execute and built that over a number of years to the point where they could walk in against one of the best, most consistent teams in the country and just put clamps on them. And they're not getting buy-in. You look at those stands and, you know, Andrew, you we talked about this earlier this season with FSU. That's a heck of a good team down there, man. That's a great team down in Tally. 
And Brooke Wyckoff, you know, it, there's always danger taking over for a legend. But I think she's doing a pretty good job. And yeah, there there are not fans in those gyms. And it's, it's baffling to me that they're just, they're not showing up. And, you know, obviously this gets back to a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, the entrenched perception and misogyny inherent in women's athletics and, you know, conversations that we've all been having for far, far, far too long and are getting less necessary um, as things improve. You know, certainly I think anybody with eyes and a brain would say this is the best um most heavily covered, most consistently good state women's basketball has ever been in by far. Um, because it's not just people talking about Tennessee and UConn. It's spread out all over the country. Um, and there's buy-in and media coverage at a much elevated level. And people are understanding now that, oh, hey, look, this makes us money. And the one thing that we'll talk to broadcast networks and, you know, athletic departments and the other people who hold the purse strings is, uh, does this put more money in our pockets? And if the answer is yes, then yeah, you're going to get buy-in. Um, so that, you know, but to see good programs, winning programs, getting no buy-in from their own fans is, it's crazy to me. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's with teams that have been very good and have had definable, you know, uh, quantifiable success that's notable on a national level of achievement. Um, and those coaches are still not getting buy-in from, from the people in their own, in their own infrastructure, in their own schools. And so I guess that, that gets us back to Amanda Butler, because if you can have the kind of success that FSU has had, that Ole Miss has had, and still not be getting that level of investment and emotional buy-in from your fans, from your administration, from your athletic department, you know, I, and, you know, as you said, maybe it's the Clemson, is just okay with, you know, being, being in the middle and not being terrible, um, with that. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's going to be Amanda Butler's problem. And I don't, you know, maybe it, it might very well, you know, it, it wouldn't also surprise me if she left, not because they said you're not doing enough, but because she just gets fed up with not being given enough to get anything done. Because I don't think she's a bad coach. She just has not produced very much out there. Um, but she's not, ter you know, it's not like I'm, I did, I did, I am often overly, I think, derogatory of her. And I, I don't mean to be when I am. I don't think she's a bad coach. She just has not achieved very good results. And maybe, maybe she's just, sick, you know, maybe she leaves um, because she's just sick of not getting buy-in from them. Um that wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, oh. Breaking news out of Stark Vegas. Mississippi State 77, LSU 73. That has gone final. Shout out, Klanga. Okay. Who, boy. Yeah. 
me see if I can pull that one up real quick. I'm pulling up the box score. Let's see. Um, LSU didn't play terribly. It. I mean, now granted, box scores can can lie at times. Um, but they. Listener, I assure you, this is still a Tar Heel podcast. We have gone way off the rails tonight. I want to apologize for everyone. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, we like to, I mean, I think that's kind of the point of what we've been talking about is that we, we are Tar Heel focused, but genuinely care about the state of the whole sport and the health of the whole sport and the growth of the whole sport. And so it's good to... It's good to talk about this stuff because there may be listeners um, who are, you know, primarily concerned with the Tar Heels. I, I hope it was always my part of my intent when starting this was was to, for for folks who kind of bleed, bleed Carolina and have blinders on and are only c- concerned with the results that are being generated in Carmichael. I'm I'm hoping we can give them a little wider aperture into the wilder world of women's basketball because it rules um so listener we appreciate you bearing with us for sure um but you know hopefully the last 20 minutes or so uh have been enlightening if you were not already inclined to be uh tuned into happenings beyond maybe carmichael or the acc um but anyway yeah uh that is a big win for the bulldogs man good on you mississippi state all right, um, but yeah, as Andrew said, we have uh, we have wandered far afield uh, from the primary purpose of this podcast, and maybe it was just that we needed to needed to talk about some other things. Um, <laughs> pardon me, and uh, take our minds off of uh, off of that Virginia game for a little while there. Um, but at any rate, I think we should probably wrap for the night here, um, and let our listeners off the hook as well if they are still with us. So we will go ahead and close this one out here. This has been Carmichael Radio. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, even if uh, you are Tar Heel focused and only listen to the first 20 minutes, if you're still listening for whatever reason, please do uh, do that. It would help us out greatly. And we hope you've enjoyed being with us for this, uh, not a broadcast or recording, whatever. Um, Anyway, my name is Travis Lund signing off for Anthony Battle. All right, Tar Heel fans. Let's get back on track. Yes, sir. Ms. Terry Stacker. Until next time, go Heels. Yes, ma'am. Go Heels indeed. And Andrew Kurzea. See you guys next time. Go Heels. Yes, sir. Go Heels. Y'all be well out there.